Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Kimona. And this is Rebels Advocate, the podcast where we break down the shit show that is the current social climate and reframe the radical. Let's get started. Hello, Kimona. Hello, Erin. We are here. We are doing the thing again. It's alarming to be back when it's been a hot minute because I kind of feel like I forgot how to do the I thing. feel you. But I also didn't forget how right? to do the thing. It's like, wow, we really, we really took some time, um, which is wonderful and much needed because rest is radical. And y'all know that we will always preach that message. But like, yeah, I was, I was plugging in my mic today and I was like, oh, wow, I got to dust her off. Like we're back in the studio. <laughs> oh geez um yeah it's also weird like as a social justice podcast that like we try not to like Mm pre-plan excessively because things change so quickly in terms of current events and like what's going on in the public sphere so so much has happened in the last couple months obviously and it's just like, oh, my God, there's so many rebels type things that we could have talked about, haven't talked about. But also it's like a little out of the mainstream conversation now. It's just very, very bizarre to like come back and be like, what should we talk about? Absolutely. Because, you know, we could talk about everything all the time, honestly. Like there is just no. I mean, well, we yes. <laughs> we just don't record all of it. Um but yeah, I think we've got we've got some good stuff coming up this season because there's so many things to talk about. And also this week, we're 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 talking about the one and only Lizzo. Well, vaguely. <laughs> vaguely Lizzo. I mean, again, that's like one of the things that's like kind of out of out of the mainstream's like conversation now, which is funny because like you know how I was I was like engrossed in this I was very upset and like calling you regularly to talk about it because I have been such a big Lizzo fan for so long um and and I I don't want to say I'm not a fan anymore I'm just like looking at her differently but that's also kind of how I feel about like celebrities Mm -hmm. in general I think that the way that the public holds celebrities in like this weird idolized way like i think of swifties and things like that like eh, these parasocial relationships are kind of weird to me and these are human beings with human lives um so i think it, it changes in that way but i think more importantly than anything that the lizzo situation really just highlights a broader conversation of like hostile workplace environment, like toxicity in, in in industry standards. And I think that, I know we've talked about like toxic workplaces before and, but more term towards the like realm of like our personal experiences and like how you can protect your peace. But I think it, this is a good way to like break down some of those nuances of like how toxic work environments have changed over the course of time, like what is considered okay and like normal um, now and like some of the broader 
strokes of change that has happened in history, um, especially because it's all so relatively new. Um, and I think all of us, anyone who's worked more like more of a corporate job and like worked for a bigger institution, whether it be like a hospital or um, corporate America or anything like that, we all have to take like the sexual harassment trainings and in those things, it's not just about like sexual harassment per se, but also like a hostile mm-hmm. work environment and different ways in which your boss and your superiors can take advantage of their employees. And um, I think that's a really important conversation to have. No, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting uh, this whole Lizzo thing. One, it re- very much gave me the hmm don't meet your idols kind of vibes where I'm like, oh boy. And also I do think that I kind of similar to you was kind of putting Lizzo up on this pedestal, which we parasocial relationships are like so much of the norm right now. Um, Not even right now, just constantly, right? When we have celebrity figures. And so it's, it's really interesting when you're kind of forced to reconcile with that and be like, oh yes, this is also just a human just like me who just happens to be on the big stage um and the way that just various industries and honestly i would go as far as to say just american work culture maybe even western work culture broadly uh can easily become a place that is just so toxic and we see it we see it so many places and you know after looking more into all of the the allegations against Lizzo, it's very much given like this is just another example of a toxic workplace environment. Um, And it's unfortunately an example that is really common in the music industry. I I was seeing a lot, and and Aaron, we've been talking about this offline as well, a lot of conversations where people are like, if I had known I could sue for these things, well, I'd have a, a couple of jobs to sue. And I think that's that's a very like important thing to note. Like these things are taken so much as the norm, and I think that's also where we get some of the backlash uh, from people who um, are maybe like feeling like the people who have brought this these allegations forward should just like suck it up and deal with it, right? Because it's like this is this is the norm for so many of us, and it but it shouldn't have to be. Yeah, I think with like before we fully dive into the broader conversation, I think with Lizzo specifically, I think a lot of people who are defending her were like, why were you, why do you, why did you expect her Mm. to not have flaws? Why did you expect her to not do these things? Um, And really like targeting some of the like isms that you are perpetuating by, assuming that she's this perfect person i know like people um i, I don't know if i like lo- like loosely referring to like mammy culture mm-hmm. and like you expect her to be soft and your cuddly bff um which i s- totally understand and support i think for me specifically with lizza because so much of her platform more than just like her existence as a big black woman and like therefore like oh you should support these things because you're this but she was very vocal about all of her beliefs and she felt to me 
like a rebel. Like she would be someone that is one of us in terms of this like broader social justice work that was far more nuanced and like to think that I could never imagine a true rebel as someone who could perpetuate the things that she was doing. I don't think you can pick and choose. You can't be a strong advocate for one thing and be, it's like people who are like super, super um, LGB, right? Like they super care about gay people and you, we should get married and stuff, but you can't be trans. Like you can be super, you can be gay and transphobic common. Um, I don't know. So like, I, I have a big problem with this, like, and maybe that's naive of me. And like, I feel like I'm saying like a lot. <laughs> maybe it's naive of me and really expecting more from people. But I found it very contradictory to have someone who's been so vocal about so many different social justice movements and then to be perpetuating very harmful workplace culture um, and like different slews of like ableism and phobia and other things that just didn't sit right with me especially as having this perception that like if you're a rebel that you you're you're that over the course of everything right like I don't know I just think that's important to acknowledge absolutely and I think that might be one of the reasons why a lot of people were kind of taken aback by these allegations coming forward. I think a lot of us viewed Lizzo as kind of this this different entity, right? Like separate from right. the rest of the industry. And part of it is probably just that as a fat black woman, she kind of had to be. Um, I think I, I, what, I, yeah, I think part of it is is being forced into this to like carve exactly. a space for herself. Like, yeah, there's no way for sense. her to exist in the mainstream. Um, with the with the way that our our systems work, with the way that fat phobia is so rampant, particularly when you're looking at any of the entertainment industries, uh, the way that misogyny and racism, and then you live at the intersection of that, and so in a way, I I, I wonder how much of of that persona is by choice, and then or exactly so. Yeah, that's a really So I think that's that's really interesting, but I think it's also not wrong to look at her based on the things that she was preaching and the way that she was really playing into this narrative um, as like this this rebel. Like, you know, it it it, I don't think it's wrong to expect more of people. And I think this like her response was also a big red flag to me. Um and the lack of response, the fact that she's kind of just like brushed it over. And there's a lot of discourse of people like talking about how she's going to recover from this. She could benefit from this and X, Y, and Z. And like, I don't think this lawsuit, like that they have much grounds for success there. And there definitely can be nuance in terms of like motivations and are they being a little whiny and like some things are just the way that it is. I, I think two things can be true at once. Like I think that there has been a huge perception of like what we expect Lisa to be based on her existence and these like putting these um, ideals and associating them with her, whether or not 
she herself has said them and like that there is going to be a lot and has been a lot of people using this as an excuse to then be fat phobic racist um etc i think that can be true and is true simultaneously with the fact that like what the fuck (laughs) like you're not the person that i thought you are are you a good person question mark like And again, I think this is something I've talked about many, many times that like bad people can do good things Mm. and like good people can do bad things, like obviously, but I think we forget, like it doesn't discredit all of the good she's done. And I don't know where I feel like, is she a good person? Is she a bad person? Is there even such a thing? But like even really terrible people can do good. So it doesn't negate it. So I think it's just really like the larger conversation is like about holding these two things to be true simultaneously. It's not, it's not mutually exclusive. So yeah, that's just a bit I wanted to talk about before we talk about the broader themes. Um, And also the, before we talk about a bit more about like the hostile work environment, culture and history, um, we did talk about toxic work environments in the last season, episode 61. If you want to go refer back to that, that's a, like I said in the beginning, it's, it, it's a different kind of conversation, but obviously it's very prevalent in our minds um, as still relatively new to the workforce individuals. I mean, we've only been out of college for what, three years. So. Oh, that's yeah. that. Wow. That feels like not enough years. Yeah, sometimes it feels like a, like it's a lot more and a lot less. I don't I don't know. But yeah. 3 years. 2020. That's how old the podcast will be in October. Oh my goodness, we're a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> I think 2 is a toddler, oh, but Well, who am I to say? I'm just a child development Listen. psychologist. And I am sure. not. Which is why I was like, "Wow, we're a toddler." <laughs> no it's it's that's a good point um yeah growth we'll we'll talk about that later in in the season because we have exciting things for you know being old (laughs) but yeah yeah so top of mind very much but i think um looking looking at this from like that broader cultural lens is what really drew me into this topic right um and you both of us but particularly what i loved <laughs> is the connection that you drew um to the the whole anita hill saga if you will um uh, and yeah. shout out to the you're wrong about podcast um it's an old episode that we both listened to, but um, what twenty eighteen? That's too many years yeah. ago. Yeah, I was. I started listening to their podcast because one of my goals has been to you know stop listening and watching so much murder content. <laughs> so talking about like big broad stroke issues, um, kind of like we do, felt like a good space to carve out and so I found their podcast and I thought I would like to start from the beginning um so I've been listening from the early episodes and that started I think like May 2018 like this is one of their first episodes the Anita Hill um and the co-hosts are both um journalists and 
often talk about like things and broader issues in which like culturally we have an idea of what happened, but it's not necessarily fully true. Um, so most of us, especially as rebels are probably familiar with Anita Hill. Um, but so much more nuance involved, um, like way more than I ever imagined. So listening to this episode was really, really crucial, especially since it was, I listened to it kind of simultaneously with all of this Lizzo information. And it really just stuck out to me as how relevant this culture of hostility in the workplace, whether it is a traditional office um, or you're a dancer and your boss is a mega celebrity. <laughs> um, and I think it also was the, that you had sent me a TikTok from, uh, I wrote down their name, uh, Machiavelli, like Machiavelli, mm-hmm. but Machiavelli, um, M-E-C-C-A-V-E-L-L-I-I. Um, and I've seen some of their videos before, but you had sent me a video specifically about them drawing, like, about their opinions about the Lizzo situation. And they were really just talking broadly about, like, comparing things to the industry standards and, like, what's normal and what's perceived Mm -hmm. as okay. And they had said that they had experience, like, as a former dancer. And I was a former dancer, so, like, I can relate to that as well. Um And I thought that the comparisons, especially with like industry standards and normalizations, was super comparable to what was being discussed in the Anita Hill case of like, prior to Anita Hill, we were just accepting these hostile, toxic work environments perpetuated by typically male superiors, perpetuated to women, typically, and they mentioned in the podcast episode quite a bit about how like by today's standards, the things that Anita was like bringing forward were not really that severe per se, because now we were like imagining the Harvey Weinstein's and the Jeffrey Epstein's and the horrifying things um, of modern culture. And well, that have come to light in modern culture rather. Um, But so like these were much more menial in that way, but this was a transformative historical moment. And I think there's a lot to talk about too of like Anita's role in it, considering we always talk about her as like a revolutionary. She came forward and she did not do that. She was literally subpoenaed for being an employee of Clarence Thomas um, during the hearing process for um, their appointment as Supreme Court Justice. Ew, gag, gag, gag. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, talking about Clarence Thomas, fun times. Um, but yeah, so like, she did not come forward. She wasn't like trying to do these big things. Like I think of like more recently with mm-hmm. Kavanaugh, I kind of think about like that's kind of the perception and the way that we have held Anita Hill as like someone who like found out that their that their uh, perpetrator was becoming a Supreme Court justice and like was like no I can't stand this and here's my story, um, and that's like what we associated and I think what I liked about the podcast episode too is what they mentioned is like you have to really believe some crazy shit to 
come to the conclusion that Anita Hill made this up because documentation was from so many years prior. Like other people had already heard about it, blah, blah, blah. Like it would have had to have been this elaborate plan and scheme that the, she would have had to anticipate that the FBI was going to leak her um, testimony, like all these things. And it's just like, you genuinely have to like jump through hurdles to believe that Anita Hill made any of it up. But which is yeah. so wild. <laughs> um, and also we have seen the way people can concoct a story. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that people really like took that and ran with it. Um, but listening to this episode was really eye opening for me. Um, because so much like I told I, you, and you were like correct. It. You knew, knew you know me. You I know, know things. Um, <laughs> because like so much of what we are taught and just like you know accept because everyone's talking about it and like all of the quote-unquote like good journalists are reporting it this way so it must be correct wrong um like she was literally just like pushed out there and made to be this kind of face of a movement right um and i think it's Mm -hmm. and with that all of the like negative um what's the word I don't know, like all of the perceptions mm-hmm. of the public, like be and all of these. Um, oh my god, I keep thinking of words like feedback and connotation, and that makes no sense. But <laughs> all of this is like negative input coming her way for something that she didn't want to do. She was put as this like spearhead figure for someone who had a common experience, actually, um, and had to have all of this exactly like you didn't know her way and like and and i i wrote down something that um they said in the podcast because i was like wow like this is just like i feel like it makes so much sense in this conversation is this idea of like why do we remain so attached to this idea that women have something to gain from coming forward with allegations of abuse against powerful men um and i think we can broaden that to be just like against powerful people why do we assume a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I remember when they said that as well, because it's like, okay, money, power? No, actually, the reality of these situations, and like, let's draw the parallels to the Lisa situation. Instead, these young girls are not going to get money out of Lizzo, most likely. And even if they did, they have all these legal fees. Who's going to hire them? Like, the public, especially with social media, like, that wasn't relevant for mm-hmm. the Anita Hill case, but social media tearing these girls to shreds. Like, who wants to come forward? And if we're going back to like the sexual harassment allegations and things like that, I mean, I was really, again, to draw parallels with the, the Kavanaugh case, like during that time, I just kept thinking, I'm like, I never came forward with any of my sexual assaults. I have m- more than one, unfortunately. And, like, I always think about that when people talk about statistics, too. They're like, oh, this many people report, this many people have been assaulted. And I'm like, I know for certain, me as an advocate who speaks very openly about these things, has more than one person that I could have gone to the police towards. And I didn't. So I'm not a part of that statistic. I'm not a part of that. And how many other women and other people who have... um, non-binary folks, men as well, who have been assaulted or harassed um, and haven't come forward because who would want to? No one believes us. And all of the consequences that come with 
come forward, even if we are believed. Yuck. Big Big yucks. major yucks. And I think it's it's so interesting, right, when we're thinking about this and even more broadly about the, the hostile work environment kind of conversation and how that ties in, um, because especially in, this, in the Lizzo cases, that's kind of uh, some of the allegations are about a hostile work environment that involves sexual harassment in some way. And that's kind of how it's how mm-hmm. it's tied in. But the, the fact also that to prove a hostile work environment and sexual harassment is a whole challenge on its own that if yeah from like the law perspective the burden of proof is on the victim and it usually is that way for rape and sexual assault cases sexual harassment it's the burden of proof is exactly and so this idea again that people are doing this for a quick buck no they're not who in their right mind? What about the legal fees? Like, please, this is not a cheap. <laughs> to pretend a lawyer costs a pretty penny. <laughs> like, no one is. People are not doing this just to to get. It's not a get rich quick scheme. And I and I am really realizing that that is so often how it is framed in our society. And like, often because what are we talking about? The high profile cases where people may be coming away with like you know a settlement of a million or so and i'm not and i think that's where people stick like stick on to is that this idea of like the settlement like yeah god i don't remember where i heard this i wish i did but someone was like okay anyone could come up and say george clooney was this maybe in the podcast episode i don't know but like George Clooney did this to me and like completely makes it up because george clooney is rich and famous so and then it comes through their lawyers and they don't want to go through this and have his reputation ruined, even though it's false. Um, and so they pay them hush money, basically, and they get a settlement out of it. But does that really happen? That's the real question is like, we as a public sphere take these ideas of like these very, very niche situations i'm not even certain have ever happened and if they have they are very minute and i think it's just a way of people like romanticizing and dramatizing things to make it sound so to just discredit victims and that's then what the mainstream media and public go with when people come forward about their real authentic experiences Absolutely. It's an easy story. It's an easy story to be able to write everyone off and not have to really think about what it takes for people to come forward and, and the, the real burden that that poses on them. And like, especially like we're saying in these Lizzo allegations, like it is very likely that these women, these young women are never going to get hired as dancers again, which is unfortunate, but that is Especially because, I mean, not even just of the accusations, but the nuance of the fact that they were hired as Mm -hmm. big girls. Like, big girls don't have a space in this industry. That was Lizzo's whole thing, is Lizzo's whole thing. Um, And now, even if that wasn't the case, like, it's it's ruined so much for them. And so... 
I'm, I'm not of the mindset that they're just out here trying to get a quick buck. Um, but, you know, I, I will eagerly await to see how this continues to play out because I haven't heard much. We haven't heard much since this originally broke. Um, I won't be surprised if they end up just quietly settling. Yeah, I won't be surprised if we don't, yeah. don't hear much. I, I really again. won't be. Um, but I I kind of wish, and this goes back to like Lizzo's response, and I think the way that we should all strive to respond if we're ever in like a, a situation like this is to like, I mean, one, like accept that even if harm was not your intent, harm was done. That it was, I was absolutely thinking yeah. the same thing. That's my biggest thing about apologies is like, and if this happened to me, I would be mm-hmm. mortified that I had that impact on someone, whether or not it is dramatic, the norm, the whatever. If I had that impact on someone so much so that they think they should have a lawsuit, also that other people feel similarly, this wasn't a one-off, like I'd be mortified. And I would, I can't imagine that I wouldn't, like I just don't get these when they write their little notes at mm-hmm. apologies or I don't know, a ukulele <laughs> song <laughs> that they don't first address that they get so defensive, only focus on their character and their reputation. But no one is like, I can't believe that this happened. I wish they'd come to me. I wish we could have just dealt with this differently. Like, I clearly need to change my behavior. This is a learning experience. However, X, Y, and Z. Like, people who don't respond that way, it, it disturbs me greatly. And I, I've had some, like, discourse and different conversations with people who disagree with me in different realms of this conversation. Um, and, like, some of the things that were mentioned was, like, the PR impact. Like, who's writing these? Who's allowing you to mm-hmm. post these things? Um, which I think is relevant. However, if someone's coming for your character and you're, someone's also like accusing you of these things, like frick your PR and like your reputation and what people are suggesting you do speak out. Um, like if someone, if someone was like, Aaron, you really shouldn't post that because we're your PR team and it's not going to be great if you acknowledge the fact that you had this impact on people. Blah, 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 blah. I'd be like, fuck that. I hurt someone. I need to address it. Like, I don't know. I just think it's like, even if that were the case, the fact that you chose to listen to your PR team in regards to this is a little sus, in my opinion. But, you know, I'm not famous, so. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. No, there's a future where you're famous, for sure. Um, maybe it's both of us. Maybe the pod is famous. Maybe that's the entertainment channel. I'm here yeah. for that. <laughs> but I really think that this like PR norms thing is also super interesting. Um, because not to bring in Colleen Ballinger to this conversation, but like you brought up the ukulele apology, so now we're gonna forget. I know, we don't have to say her name. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you haven't She'll sue us for defamation. Um, I wasn't going to say anything that I think would be defamation, so I think it's okay. Um, I was just going to talk about how maybe like a ukulele apology is never the right way to go. It wasn't even an apology. It, 
No, it was a ukulele rendition of I've never made a mistake in my life, actually. So this is kind of crazy that anyone would have a toxic gossip train. (laughs) That's that is a real line that she sang. And then post. Well, you know what? Maybe Lizzo can, you know, make a song out of this and sample that. That would I think I would actually die. That would be so funny. Um, (laughs) All the rumors are true, baby. All the rumors are true. Allegedly. She really did tell us. No, she really did tell us. Really, that's wild. But I've been, I, I had seen like some PR crisis people on TikTok talking about like different ways that you can handle things. And it's really interesting seeing people who are like, this is what I do for a job. Being like, yeah, this is not the way I would have done that. And like, there is a way to be able to take accountability and also not like set yourself up to be like legally liable to an excessive Extent. Yeah, the ukulele would be an instance where you probably should listen to your yeah, PR that, team. That one, so. that one especially because <laughs> she started it with like. I'm saying don't listen to the PR team if they're telling you not to take accountability for your um, actions. That that yeah, is absolutely. my point. <laughs> absolutely, um, but I also think now that we've brought up this like ukulele conversation right um it's interesting because we're that's kind of shows like another way that this like toxic quote-unquote work culture even though it's not exactly the same is so prevalent in like every area of life and that if we're not careful we are perpetuating that like i think it is also important that these conversations mm -hmm. those two specifically that happened over the summer like are happening as like the the perpetrator is a woman um and i think that's important because it's often perceived that like this is only something that men can perpetuate on women um and it gender only has so much of a role like obviously it's typically that way but that doesn't negate the fact that perpetuate um the perpetrators and the victims can have any gender expression um so i think that that's also definitely it's a power thing. Like, it's about the power dynamics. Um, and I think another thing that really bothers people, and this is where we can like draw the parallels to the Anita Hill case again, is when things like this happen and people are referring to, like that TikTok I mentioned, like they kept referring to like this is industry standards, right? Like if you about the weight gain thing, which is ironic again, right? Because this is a person who's saying big girls. Blah, blah, blah. And if you watched the show on Amazon Prime, like, because I was having this discourse with Sam, like, of can, like, oh, well, if they gain weight, they're out of shape. And I'm like, no, 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 no. She filtered out those people who didn't have the endurance. That's relevant. That's super true. These big girls can fucking run laps. And it's insane. And I'm not saying that, like, these girls then couldn't handle it, blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, that's not the same in this conversation but these industry standards of like i think the tiktoker compared it specifically to like okay do you think if beyonce like their dancers gained 20 pounds that they wouldn't say anything and i'm like true and then they kept saying you know this is industry standards this is what it was like when i was a dancer this is what it always is like and i was a big girl then and we all know this but my issue is okay, just because it's industry standard does not mean it is okay. It does not mean just because it's the norm that we should normalize Mm. it. 
And that's where I was really drawing the comparisons to the podcast episode on Anita Hill, because I think the most prominent thing is like, there was so much um, negative feedback coming in from women, women who were mad about Anita Hill and mad about these things. Women are going against their own best interests in these cases. And we see it happen constantly. Trump is Mm -hmm. a great example of how white women specifically go against their best interests. But there's this idea of like, okay, it was normal. Like I had to go to work for my entire career and get harassed. That's just work. That's just life. Suck it up deal with it. I didn't get that. And now you get to do it. Again, Anita Hill specifically didn't want to do this. So that's a separate issue. But the fact that there's this anger and hostility around things getting better. (laughs) And we've talked about this. I've mentioned this many times in many different episodes about like this frustration that like people aren't getting the same shit hand that you were dealt with but like we should want everyone else in our situation to have a better a better outcome like just because I've been harassed or x thing like I don't want for future generations to be and I do I do understand that hurt frustration because I used to be that way in a very, very different way. I used to get so mad in um, sports in high school because, like, the freshmen were the ones who were supposed to, like, do all the extra work, grab the equipment, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But I was very much raised and, like, taught about this, like, ideology of, like, working up to things, like, doing your, um, what do they call it? What's the phrase? Um, paying your dues and that whole sentiment and people bring it up a lot too when I mention you know how medical and and doctoral students like don't get paid for their labor and etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, like this whole ideology of like paying your dues and this is the way things are so then when I was a sophomore or a junior and then the freshmen were not doing paying their dues per se I was furious. I was like, are you kidding me? We all had to do this. And people have that culture around sororities and frats and all these things. And it pissed me off. But luckily, (laughs) I learned the broader themes of things of like, you know what? That wasn't okay that it happened to us. So let's hope that it has to stop somewhere. It has to stop somewhere. And somebody's going to be at the cutoff. I've said this in different episodes. I I don't know where to link it to. But, like, someone gets screwed over with the when things change, obviously, because it has to stop somewhere. But I want it to stop. I want it to stop. And I think that's what we should take away from these conversations, right? Is that while having these conversations is a very important first step, we have to, like, move forward with mobilizing a change in what is industry standard, what is the norm, in whatever Mm -hmm. workplace and industry that you're a part of, like, we have to actively stand up against this stuff. And like that that's like the action item, right? That's what we have to do from this. It's one thing to sit here and talk about all of these things, but I would urge every listener to to really like sit with yourself and figure out one, if you're in a position of power, are you perpetuating these things? 
Are you perpetuating a toxic environment? Are you making it easier for sexual harassment to go unreported, unnoticed? Um, but what is the culture that you're creating? And what is the, the workplace environment that you're fostering? Or reinforcing. Yeah. You know, pa- there's passivity in this too. You don't always have to have an Absolutely. active role. We all know the bystander effect. It's definitely applicable. Um, yeah, I think that's the real the real truth that we have to encourage is that like we have to break the cycle. And, you know, that is the the rebel insight, mm-hmm. the way we think is that, yeah, maybe we will get screwed over and it isn't fair that things happened to us, but like we have to break the cycle and we need to do it sooner than later. Um so yeah, um, I really am glad that we had this conversation because obviously in the beginning of the whole situation, I was very stuck on the specifics of it being like Lizzo and the actual situation. But as it drew on, like having these parallels to other situations and like just this environment that what you were saying in the beginning, this like Western work culture, um, I think it really ties into what we accept as a general population and we cannot normalize these things and accept these things as okay just because we have before but yeah be the change rebel be the change change. um but yeah let's let's wrap it up on our first episode back of season six wild i don't know how we pumped out so many episodes in the early days um but so we'll be doing the bi-weekly schedule that we started last season um we got full-time jobs i'm a doctoral student like i, I we don't get time for that <laughs> but we have lots of guests and we are still having that schedule of like you'll have by week you'll have weekly content on tuesdays if you're a patreon um, subscriber, we have the newsletters, and hello to some of the Patreons because you'll now have video content to watch to go with these episodes unedited. So fun, fun, fun! You can see how much hand gestures I do the entire time. It's kind of psychotic, um, but yeah, I'm so happy that we're back and we have lots more to talk about for this, the rest of this year exciting times yeah to our patrons you get to see all the wild faces i make now um and i'm glad uh but you know you know where to find us but in case you need a reminder you can find us on instagram at rebels advocate pod and on the general interwebs at rebels advocate pod.wordpress.com yes that is a change we are sunsetting our twitter account um because twitter is dead so <laughs> I'm I not. I'm not support it, and it just we don't want to be a part of it, so we're out. <laughs> the, the app formerly known as Twitter is no we're longer outie, in our So catch us over there, um, and all the content is in full swing now that the break is over. So we are super happy to have you here, and we would appreciate your feedback in any which way subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast writing us a cute five-star review um or messaging us on any platform or our website about ideas that you have uh things you want to talk about so we love you so dearly and we're glad to be back so we'll talk to you soon bye bye